From Studio Nowhere, it's time for... Saka USA. Welcome to another edition of Soccer Talk USA. I'm your host, Mark Zeter. This is episode number 296 for the uh, 22nd of June, 2011. And uh, I've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, this podcast is a little bit late. Uh, had things going on and, and uh, lots of soccer to watch. I went to the uh, Portland Timbers game on Sunday, so a lot to talk about that. And, of course, we've got the Gold Cup stuff and uh, some other MLS games to talk about. So uh, let's dive right in and, and, and talk about some of this stuff. So we'll begin the Gold Cup stuff, and I'll, I'll flash back for a week to the uh, USA Guadalupe. And um, these are notes that I wrote, quote, wrote down to myself back when it happened. So, uh, you know, as we get further into this tournament, um, you know, your, your perspective changes a little bit when you look back versus looking forward and that type of thing. But this is what I, my notes at the time, you know, so it's, this is how I felt then. May or may not feel quite so strongly about certain things now, um, and depending on what happens today, because today is Wednesday, uh, and we have the big uh, uh, semi, uh, semifinal today with uh, USA Jamaica, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, uh, uh, sorry, not Jamaica, uh, Panama, so. Um, anyway, uh, USA Guadalupe, this was uh, just, what an incredible victory for the mighty USA, uh, not. Uh, color me unimpressed. Uh, the USA did just enough to win and nothing else. We won this one 1-0. One so. uh, I told myself before this game that if they didn't win by at least three goals, this was going to be a disappointment, and sure enough, that's what happened. While uh, Josie's rocket was awesome and a touch of class and an otherwise mediocre showing, the U.S. just did not show the proper attitude. Clint Dempsey's horrendous miss of a tap-in in front of an empty net simply because he was too casual finishing is the highlight example, but certainly not the only one. Do you think uh, Clint would have missed that opportunity against Mexico or Spain or some big team? No, that was a typical uh, pub game miss, the kind of opportunity you see half a dozen times in the match, and you know that if you miss one, you'll have another in a few minutes. Against a quality opponent, you're scrapping and fighting for the slimmest advantage, and uh, looking for anything you can get. When the ball drops to you on the doorstep, you don't muck around. You just bury it. You're merciless. That was the opposite of the attitude in this team, which took on, again, took on an opponent too lightly. Um, they had a ton of chances and didn't take any. Altador's goal didn't even count as a chance, as he was uh, well out and only given a little space and time to shoot and took it well. Defensively, the U.S. was still horrible, and the only reason we didn't give up a goal was because Guadalupe was even more incompetent than us. I still worry about the quarterfinal, quarterfinal because Jamaica is a very good team. They've got speedy players and some excellent talent. They're good form unbeaten so far. Yet I got a feeling that the U.S. still thinks we're superior and deserve to win simply because we're the USA. If they take that game lightly, we're doomed. It could be a better opponent is what we need. Maybe that will cause us to step up our game, but I don't know. This game was a better performance by the U.S. Uh, even Jermaine Jones was decent. But it's still way behind where we need to be and where we should be. I'm not amused. Uh, Eric Winaldo used lots of lack words like lackadaisical, and that sums up the USA game perfectly. So we move for that to last weekend's game, which was uh, Sunday, uh, USA-Jamaica in the quarterfinal. And uh, much better from the USA, who were forced to make some uh, major lineup changes, including leaving out Wayne and Donovan, I guess due to exhaustion. I think I heard earlier in the tournament he was suffering some, he had, had about a flu or something, you know, some kind of illness. And so uh, I think that probably explains some of why I was not very impressed with some of the things he was doing. 
Um, he seemed tired. It didn't, you know, couldn't outrun people and stuff like that. And I think, you know, when you're, we all know how you feel after you're a little bit sick, even just, you know, a little bit of the flu or something and you're, it really takes a lot out of you. And, uh, that extra edge is what Donovan was missing. So anyway, he sat out of this one and at least early on and, uh, we pressure with some, some good chances in the first couple minutes, but then we show our defensive frailties when Jamaica somehow get a chance deep in the box. I still don't know how that player wasn't offside, but the flag didn't go up. And it really did show a replay of that from the side camera. Uh, it should have been a guaranteed goal, but Tim Howard made an amazing foot save, all the more impressive because all the other players basically stopped playing thinking it was offside, and Timmy Howard didn't. So that was awesome for for, for Howard. But um, the rebound uh, should have been put in. It was actually an easy goal, too, with just a whole goal to, to shoot at and just, just Howard to beat. But uh, he skied that one. And uh, so basically Jamaica let us off the hook there. After that, it was almost all USA, except for you know a couple dangerous counters by Jamaica. Uh, eight minutes in, more bad news for the USA as Josie Altidore pulled up lame. Hamstring. Agadella comes on for him. USA missed chance after chance, but many of those are by some great saves by Donovan Ricketts in goal for Jamaica. Dempsey has a long free kick that uh, Ricketts tips over, and Kleschen forces another save. Uh, Bedoya puts a header wide. Dempsey has a bicycle attempt go over the bar. Uh, Lahaye. Uh, gets a chance uh, right within the box, but Ricketts dominates. Uh, Jermaine Jones has the honor of the biggest miss when he gets a wonderful opportunity on a loose ball on the left, but he shanks his shot so bad it hits his own leg, goes out near the corner flag. Yikes. But I guess you could argue he makes up for it in the second half uh, for some early pressure, uh, for after some early pressure by the U.S. A Jamaican headed clearance comes to Jones. Uh, above the box, he hits it towards goal, it deflects wickedly off a defender, goes the opposite way of Ricketts, and just like that, the USA lead. After some weak opportunities for Jamaica, the U.S. get their best chance right out of the hour when Bedoya does well to keep possession along the end line, and Gerundolo's cross bounces in front of goal. Dempsey heads it point blank in front of Ricketts, and Ricketts stones him. Amazing save. Uh, Lennon comes on in 66 for Bedoya. And then a good through ball puts Jones on a breakaway, but he's tripped from behind by the last defender. It's a straight red card for Jamaica's Taylor, who doesn't even argue. Replay shows Jones dived. There was no contact, but he did jump to avoid the tackle, and that threw him off his stride and caused his dramatic uh, fall. Although it is odd that uh, uh, the Jamaica player Taylor didn't uh, argue this. I, the only thing I can think of is that uh, he, he he knew even though there wasn't actual contact that just sliding in like that you're just you're taking that chance. So probably what happened is as he slid in, he was basically telling himself, "I'm going to get a red card, and I'll just take that for the you know because he felt like he had nothing you know it was a breakaway for Jones so he felt like I had to do this. And then he didn't actually make contact, still got the red, and he's like, yeah, that's how it works. So that's the only thing I can think of because, you know, it definitely was a uh, no contact there. But I still think it was a foul. I don't know if it was a red card foul just because a lack of contact. Um, but to me, it's still a foul because Jermaine Jones had to leap out of the way, you know, to, to avoid the foul, and then that threw him off his stride, and he did fall down. So definitely there was interference. You know, but I think a yellow would probably would have been fine. But still, you know, the USA only led by one at this point. We're leading, you know, one goal, slim goal, and and a man, you know, and uh, that's that's really a dangerous lead where you where you've totally dominated and it just feels like a lot more. And I was kind of still nervous. Uh, Jones comes uh, off for a do in the 75th. 
and he has a blast to do uh, just seconds later. Then Landon gets a breakaway, only has Ricketts to beat, but he slows up for a teammate uh, who plays it back to him. And unfortunately, Ricketts was so far out at that point that there was uh, only a defender on the goal line, and Landon was offside. Landon was actually between Ricketts and the, the defender on the line. So, um, yeah. Uh, that could be a costly waste for the USA with 12 minutes to go, but then Agadella and Landon play a give-and-go with Agadella going right up to the side of the box. He plays it for a wide-open Dempsey in the box who calmly dribbles it around Ricketts, and there's nothing the keeper can do as the USA lead by two. So very nicely done by Dempsey, and uh, um, I thought this was an example, you know, in, in that previous game, I thought, you know, Dempsey was a little too casual, didn't finish things off, but I think this was, this wasn't casual, this was just skill. He just dribbled it around him and slotted it away, you know, it, it was pretty merciless. And uh, he was calm as he did it, but, you know, he, he, he just, he concentrated and, and just put it away. So, uh, so then we're up by two at that point. Things get really stretched after that with Jamaica pressing forward. The U.S. is trying to get away with a, get it away with a third goal. Uh, Daly gets a shot off, uh, from the edge of the box in the 90th, but Howard comfortably saves it. Uh, the USA finish things off with a free kick and stoppage that forces a save. And a rebound by Ricketts and uses up the final seconds. Uh, good win is the bottom line. Definitely a huge step forward. And our best performance, but still shaky considering how much the USA dominated and our first goal was a bit of luck and the red card was a fortunate break. Uh, I'm not that confident going forward, you know. Uh, it's only going to get tougher. But um, anyway, we beat Jamaica, USA 2, Jamaica nil. The thing now that we've got to do is we've got to face uh, Panama, team we already lost to. I think that gives the USA extra motivation. It also gives Panama some confidence. They know we're not invincible and, you know, like, you know, they might have thought before. Um, but at the same time, if there's a little bit of doubt in their mind, a little bit of thinking, uh, we got lucky that first game, um, you know, we, 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 we kind of surprised them a little bit. They didn't know we were this good, that kind of thing. Um, that, those kind of doubts could creep into, into the Panamanium side and maybe the, the, uh, they struggle a bit more. I, I, well, it's definitely going to be a, a much tighter game than that first one. I thought the first one was was pretty terrible uh, as far as the USA's performance goes. So I'm I'm fairly confident that uh, I mean we should, you know, by all you know, there, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to win that game. I mean, we should win that game. There's no question in my mind. We should win that game. And if we don't win that game, I still think Bradley should go. I think you know he's had his chance and and he's blown it. Um, you know. But uh, at the same time, you know, it, it, soccer's you know it can be a cruel game, and it's it's any you know any on any day anybody can beat anybody else. So uh, you never quite know how these things are going to go. It's going to be interesting to see what the exact lineup is, if Lennon's better and, and starts, and and exactly what happens in this one. But um, you know, hopefully they've had a chance to rest a little bit and uh, you know put in some players. And I would think someone like Landon that you know didn't play that much on Sunday would be fresh and ready to go and, and play the full 90 in this one. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of nervous. I'm kind of, you know, like I said in the, you know, I'm not I'm not super, super confident just because of, you know, this sort of Jekyll and Hyde performances they've been giving lately. But at the same time, you know, they have been making improvements with each game. And, um, you know, maybe a lot of this is just the U.S., just doesn't play enough as a team. I mean, if you think about, you know, we've got so many of our players, our best players, um, 
you know, in other countries around the world playing all over the place. And, uh, we really don't get that much of a chance to, to play together. And some of the previous incarnations of the U.S. national team did, I think, better, uh, you know, you look back, I'm thinking all the way back to the 1990, you know, Italia World Cup, um, where we basically had, I think, what was it one, maybe two professional players and the rest were all college students, you know, all amateurs. And they did, they did, you know, fairly decent considering that. Um, and, and I'm thinking, you know, even, even a few years later in the 94 World Cup and other ones, you know, well, part of the reason I'm wondering if, if, you know, they, those players got a lot of time to play, to play with each other, to, to practice together. And the current teams, even though we had some world class players, they don't really get a chance to play together that often, you know. And so, especially when you figure there's there's changes in lineup and different things, and not a huge amount of preparation time for a lot of these tournaments. And uh, you know, for a team like say Spain, um, or even England, or some of these you know bigger teams in the world, you know, that's not may not be quite such a big issue. First of all, a lot of those players all play in the same league. So they're, they're familiar with each other and at least in terms of what the others is capable of doing. Um, here we've got our players scattered, you know, some are in MLS, some are overseas in different leagues overseas, some are in obscure, you know, leagues in, in, uh, you know, second division in Germany or, or in Denmark or wherever. And these players don't necessarily get a chance to see each other week in and week out and see what the other players are doing. And so when you get, a chance that you've only got, you know, a week to, to practice together before you actually have really competitive games, you know, it makes sense that there's some rough edges, especially when you look at something like the defense and, uh, and areas like that, the mid defensive midfield areas, which are, are areas where I think we've struggled. Um, so, you know, hopefully maybe that's just all the U.S. needs. You know, you get in a tournament like this, you struggle the first few games, then you get settled down and you get better and better and you make improvements and uh, maybe by the time you get to the final, you know, you're you're actually cruising and playing well. I at, at this point, I'm still not convinced that that we can beat uh, Mexico, but uh, I would just like the Mexico match to be competitive. I'm assuming that we beat Panama and get to that final, um, but I would like that match to be competitive and for the USA to have a chance in that one. I would. I, I what worries me is just with the defensive frailties the U.S. has shown so far um, that we get to that match and it's, you know, 2-0 20 minutes in and we're, we're pretty much done, you know, and we don't have a chance in that one. And uh, that's what kind of worries me is that we would, you know, go down two or three goals really early in that one and, and it's just, you know, not even competitive. So we'll see what happens, but that's kind of the way I'm looking looking at the future and kind of wondering, you know, where it's going to go and, and kind of, you know, hope hopefully that the US will, you know, that this is just normal growing pains. I I was pretty critical with some of my comments, you know, throughout this tournament because I I do think we're at a point in US soccer right now where we don't just expect the US to to dominate this kind of a tournament, especially these some of these lesser opponents, but we demand it. You know, we should be booing the players when they when they don't play well and they don't, you know, do good at a tournament like this, regardless of the reasons. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of reasons why that is, but it's up to the coach and the people who are organizing this stuff to, you know, analyze and figure out what those reasons are, 
whether it's, you know, more practice, whether it's a different lineup, whether it's chemistry, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, to, to, to identify those problems and fix them and, and set it up so in the future we don't have those issues, you know. I think it's about 80% attitude, personally. I don't think it's a question of the actual individual skill of the players. I just think they come to these things with, uh, inappropriate attitudes. And to me, that comes from the coach. The coach, that's his job, in my mind, is to set the attitude of the players, to make sure they don't underestimate or overestimate or whatever, you know, that they, that they come into these with the right frame of mind. And I don't think they've been doing that very well so far. And I'm not sure why that is, you know. Um, but anyway, at least, you know, the good news is regardless of how we did it, we, we've done it. We've made it to the semifinal. Now we just have to, to, to do one more game and then we're in the final and then it's anybody's game, hopefully. So we shall see what happens. It will be interesting regardless. So, all right, let's talk major league soccer, a bunch of games. Uh, we had a lot of midweek games last week. We'll start off with the Toronto, New England Toronto game. Uh, pretty boring until the second half when, uh, Charlie Joseph gets a blast at the keeper stops. Uh, then Lekic has a volley attempt that's wide. New England continue to do most of the pressing, especially late on when Savarese gets a yellow for blocking a free kick. And then minutes later in the first half, stoppage time, uh, first seconds of stoppage time, uh, um, he gets his second for a tackle from behind on Joseph. New England go for it, putting uh, one just wide off of a f- corner kick, followed by a rocket from Joseph that's just high. But despite the man advantage, they can't score, and it's a disappointing nil-nil. So New England nil, Toronto nil. Kansas City, San Jose, not too much in this one, uh, though better than the New England-Toronto uh, one, as Kansas City do their best to get their first home win. About 20 minutes in, San Jose have a good chance off a free kick that Stevenson puts on frame, but Nielsen blocks. And then San Jose have a nightmare headed back pass to their keeper that's blind and right in the paths of Zuzi, but he's stopped by Bush and puts it wide. Uh, the goal comes right on the half hour um, as Sapong puts his name in the record books for the first goal in the new stadium, first Kansas City goal. Uh, Zussi crosses in a beautiful ball, and Sapong just throws himself in the air, gets a left leg onto it. Uh, early in the second half, San Jose nearly have an own goal when Bettishore blocks across right into Bush's arms. Very scary. Uh, Simon Dawkins comes on for San Jose as they dominate uh, the second half. He has a great shot that's stopped by Nielsen. It's dicey after that as Kansas City is gassed. Uh, again, gets a little chippy as San Jose is frustrated, but Kansas City just managed to hold on and get the three points at home. So congrats to them. First home win. Kansas City won. San Jose nil. Toronto, Seattle. Turning point in this game was five minutes in the second half when Hurtado fell on the legs of a streaking Toronto player. The ref gave him a second yellow. With only ten men on the road, Seattle had to battle and did well to keep t- uh, t- uh, Toronto off the board. Uh, Toronto's best chance came late for Martinez, who had a wonderful opportunity on the right, but hit the inside of the post with his shot, just inches from a goal. Uh, then in stoppage, Freddie Montero scores off a free kick to win it. Uh, pretty nice free kick, uh, but just heartbreaking if you're uh, a Toronto fan to uh, watch that in stoppage as, uh, you know, the other team wins it off a free kick like that. So... Toronto nil, Seattle one. And then we had uh, Houston, uh, Columbus. Horrible game for the Dynamo, who should have taken momentum from last week's comeback against Chivas, but came out flat and dead. That didn't cost them until the 41st when Boswell lost the ball on the midfield line, and Anor took the ball up the midfield, up the middle, fed Mendoza a nice through ball, and he went 1v1 and beat Tally Hall to the far post. Very nicely done. 
then minutes after the halftime break, Lowell Palmer uh, caught Anor late in the center circle and was given his second yellow. Very dumb. Ten-man Houston had a real mountain to climb. It should have been worse with Heineman missing a great... It could have been worse with Heineman missing a great chance for Columbus a moment later. Um... But then the Dynamo could have equalized, except for great goalkeeping by Hesmer. Will Brun uh, got up through the left wing, but the angle was tight, and Hesmer palmed the ball away. The chance didn't end there, though, as uh, Corey Ash retrieved the ball, found Brad Davis, who used his great left foot to put it on frame, but Hesmer again was big, so a nice double save for Hesmer there. Unfortunately, that was Houston's best chance of the match, as they, and they didn't take it. Uh, they got stretched late, and in the 77th, the crew got to the end line, fed in a simple ball in front of the box where Anor had a tap-in. Shockingly, though, he missed! He utterly missed the, I mean, missed the utterly empty goal. Yes, I mean, completely empty goal. And he basically sent his shot wide right at Tally Hall. It was almost like an across the face of the goal instead of going at the goal. I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible miss. But even more shocking, or just as shocking, Hall coughs the ball right back to him. I have no idea why. I didn't make any. It wasn't even that hard. It wasn't it was more of a pat. It wasn't even a hard shot. I don't know why Hall couldn't just catch it. But he he knocks it right back to Anor, and then Anor didn't miss on the second chance, which was actually even more difficult as there were two players in the goal by that point, and uh, just one of the worst defensive sequences I've ever seen from the Dynamo. I mean, just just hideous. Uh, Brian Ching gave Houston a tiny bit of hope in stoppage time when he got around Hesmer with the ball, but his shot on goal was blocked off the line by defender Julius James. Just wasn't Houston's day in this one. So uh, Houston nil, Columbus two. So Houston dropping points at home, not good. Uh, Chivas Dallas. Chivas get the first chance via Mondaini, Mondaini up the run up the middle, but Hartman easily saves the weak shot. Then Breck Shea fights off a defender at the top of the box to get a ball uh, played over the back line. He wins the battle, slides it low and to the corner past Kennedy for the Dallas lead. Nothing much happens until the hour mark when Castillo has a great run up the left and Kennedy tips the shot, uh, his shot off the post. Then in the 70th, Lahoud has a long-range grounder that deflects through the crowd, gets past Hartman. Yeah, equalizer. Uh, ten minutes later, Hernandez has a good free kick on frame that Kennedy saves. It looks like a draw is in the cards, but with five minutes to go, Dallas plays the ball into the box and Lahoud bizarrely just lets it bounce past him. It's like he didn't... I guess he thought his keeper was coming for it, some kind of communication background. Uh, he could have easily cleared it. Uh, you know, it was coming right at his chest, but he instead, you know, literally steps out of the way, lets the ball bounce, bounce like he's letting it bounce to the keeper, but the keeper was still on his line. He was nowhere near it. And uh, Dallas's Jackson just nips in, takes the loose ball, and chips Kennedy, and that's the winner for the road team. So uh, Chivas won, Dallas two. So LaHood scores and then basically gives up a goal. So... We'll talk more about that in a minute. <laughs> Somebody else did that in, in a different game. Uh, RSL, uh, so that was Chivas 1, Dallas 2. Uh, RSL DC, this was kind of a strange game. Not a lot going on. DC uh, take the lead after an outrageous foul of the box by Sims on Beckerman. Uh, he actually left his feet and scissored Kyle off of the ball. I'm utterly baffled by the bias of commentator Thomas Rongan, who kept arguing that it was a soft penalty. He couldn't figure out why it was a penalty. Uh, and uh, every time they showed the replay, it just looked worse and worse. I started thinking it should have been a red card. Cause, and Thomas was just being skeptical, talking about a soft handball, as though that was the reason. We I never saw a handball. I never saw anything that were near a hand. I don't know what they were talking about. It was like they were watching a different game. Uh, at least his partner of the broadcast finally did hint that it might have been correct, though he seemed timid at correcting Thomas. But I think Thomas was watching with rose-colored glasses or something. I don't know what was going on there. 
That was just bizarre. But anyway, RSL get the penalty deservedly, and uh, Espinola, Espinola converts it. Uh, nothing much help else happens until the 83rd when Charlie Davis gets a nice run down the right wing. Uh, when he went into the box, Winger tried to tackle the ball away, didn't get the ball, didn't get much of Charlie either, either if anything. Uh, but the forward went to ground. The ref awards the penalty, so Davies put it low, beat Romando for the late equalizer. I don't have too much of a problem with either penalty, really. Uh, even though the replay clearly shows Winger was two feet from Charlie, it was a clear dive. Uh, but from the ref's viewpoint, it looked like a takedown, and you really shouldn't be tackling like that in the box when you know the ref's looking for an excuse for a makeup call. I mean, he was nowhere near the ball. If, it's one thing if you get the ball while you're clearing it away, but uh, to just go to ground and and presumably trip a player when it's obvious you're nowhere near the ball, you know... Obviously, the side ref should be looking, because uh, basically the main ref was behind the play, so he can't see that depth and see that distance and see that Winger was, you know, a couple feet from 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 touching uh, Charlie. But the side ref should have been in position to see that and signal that it was not uh, a penalty. But you know, he was not. So I look at it from the refs. You know, I don't really fault the ref. I mean, from his perspective, it looked like a clear penalty, so he calls it. So you know, from Charlie's perspective. He's going to kind of get a reputation of diving, and that could be it could hurt him in the long run. So, um, anyway, um, they get the penalty and um, and score it. Um, let's see, uh, Chris Pontius could have won the match for DC in stoppage time, but his shot hit the woodwork. It was actually his second uh, time in the match hitting the wood. But uh, in the end, you know, it's probably a fair result. I thought uh, RSL won, DC won. So. Uh, New England, Chicago. Mansali has a good chance for New England early on, but then Nazarite uh, for Chicago hits the crossbar in the 15th. Uh, Nazarite uh, has opportunities for New England, but misses. And then Lekic has his shot saved by Johnson on the half hour. Uh, Chicago break through Aduro, who beats two, and uh, the keeper from the edge of the box, impressive as he usually misses those badly. Uh, New England try to come back, but Mansali puts his point-blank header over the bar. But then after the break, New England get the equalizer when Lekic beats the offside trap, slots it to the far post. New England have the uh, hit the post right after that, and later they're dangerous off a quick free kick. But the Fire have a terrific header that's on frame, beats the keeper, but a defender is on the line to clear it. Uh, then Oduro breaks up the right and finds Nazarite in the box, but he misses his terrific chance. Just point blank right there. Uh, Reese has a go... Um, uh, has to make a good shot, uh, good save on a shot after that, but New England should have had the last laugh when deep in stoppage time, Lekic pops up the ball in the air with his right foot, then lets fall, fly with a volley with his left. Uh, just a uh, great skill, but the shot skims just wide of the post. It would have been a fantastic winner, but uh, unfortunately that's the last kick of the game, and the teams split the points. New England won, Chicago won. Then we had uh, Colorado, L.A. L.A. Uh, grabbed one early on a run uh, to the end line by Birchall, who centers the ball, and Drew Moore, unfortunately, slides it in slides in to block it, and this ends up sending it into his own net. A hero last week in Portland, now he's the GOAT. But he does have a gripe, as it turns, it looked to me like the ball actually crossed the end line before it was, uh, before it was headed back in. So, uh, kicked back in. So, uh, probably shouldn't have been a goal. But, uh, minutes later, Janino isn't pressured outside the box. He has a goal from long range that just rockets into the top corner. Wow, great goal, but such poor defending is just asking for it. Uh, after that, LA relax a bit, and the Rapids control things but aren't dangerous. They regroup for the second half and start to pressure well. And just past the hour, they start to come back. Uh, when just back from injury, Omar Cummings shot comes off the base of the post into the crowded box where men on the spot, Connor Casey, has a tap in. Then the Rentowitz has a crack from inside the box but hits side netting. But then, 
Folan gets over-enthusiastic with a rash scissor tackle on Juninho. He's given a straight red, leaving the Rapids down to 10 men. At least uh, Juninho does come back on after some treatment, though he doesn't stay on too long. But uh, the Rapids still press into the L.A. box, but end up stretch, and L.A. nearly score at the other end, setting a shot just wide. Uh, Colorado doesn't learn from the lesson, though, with Todd Donovan getting behind on a breakaway, setting up Chad Barrett for a simple tap-in, and that's all L.A. need. So Colorado 1, L.A. 3. All right, let's come to the big match of the weekend. Yes, yes, the Portland Timbers versus New York. I hope you all saw this one. This was a wild one. One of the craziest mat games I've ever seen. Uh, anyone who can watch soccer like this and not be entertained is just dead. I'm telling you, this was just fantastic. Uh, once again, the Timbers come out flat. They coughed up a terrible goal just five minutes in, allowing New York uh, to run rampant right through their defense. Uh, though that was actually pretty much all... Uh, all New York did in the first half. Uh, Portland gave the ball away constantly, didn't pressure when New England and New York had it, and defended frantically. It was pretty much men against boys with Timbers. They only got off one shot the whole half. I think uh, New York had five. Most exciting thing was the uh, contestant winning $1,000 during the halftime uh, show. They did one of those uh, deal or no deal things with the suitcases, and uh, he ended up picking the right suitcase. And, and there was $1,000 for the max prize. So it came down to two suitcases. One was 25 and one was 1000 and he picked the one that got the, that had the 1000 in it. So that got a huge cheer from the crowd and everything. And the guy that was, I was sitting with, you know, just the guy next to me, we were talking about it, and we said, you know, wow, that's the most exciting thing uh you know, we've had, has happened all game, you know. I said, I said, yeah, it beats, you know, cheering for a throw-in. That's basically what we were doing in the first half was like, Portland would get a throw-in and we'd be like, yay! <laughs> you know, cause it was really terrible and, and, uh, I held out little hope, honestly, for a victory. I, I was just praying for a tie and, uh, I was thinking 1-1 at that point and, you know, I really feared what the second half would bring cause Portland was just not playing well. I, I don't know what happened in the locker room. But though they had on the same jerseys, a different team came back on the field. Uh, from the kickoff, they swarmed over New England, New York, who staggered back, unable to stop the assault. And within minutes, Captain Jack Dewsbury buried a grounder to the back post. Former New Yorker uh, Kevin Goldthwaite had come on for Portland to start the second half, and I joked to my friend that he should he would score against his former team. You know, you always score against your former team. Well, coach looks like a genius because a moment later he does a nifty back heel right in front of the net. Uh, started off by a Dewsbury free kick through the box. Uh, five minutes and Portland lead. Amazing. Um, stadium was in delirium. Portland continued to dominate, though. Uh, New York, you know, they did look occasionally dangerous when they tried to break out. Uh, then Perlaza gets to the end line on a great run. No timbers were in the box for the cross, so he just put it in front of the face of the goal. I don't know if he saw Keel sliding in, but it was, if he did, it was a brilliant play because the former timber Keel couldn't stop his slide. Excuse me. And his momentum just uh, carried the ball into his own net, uh, basically very similar to the Drew Moore goal we talked about in the Colorado game. What made this even funnier was that I joked before the game that Keel would score an own goal, and that would be fitting with the theme of, you know, players scoring against their, their former club, because my friend and I were talking about that before the game, and and I was saying, you know, well, they've got Keel that used to be a timber. I said, so, you know, obviously he has to score, but he'll score an own goal. You know, that would... He still scores, but it's an own goal. And then that's what happened in the game, so it was pretty freaky. So the whole stadium erupted with cheers and jeers when Keel's picture was put up on the big screen. Just hilarious, because they always put the picture of the player that scored the goal on the big screen. And so they put his picture up, and the whole stadium just went nuts. You know, it's hilarious. So 
But uh, things kind of go somber. About 20-something left, I think it was. Uh, Terry Henry has a brilliant double uh, give-and-go uh, on the left side, breaks into the Portland box, just and just professionally slips it past uh, Perkins to bring one back for the for New York. Yikes. Uh, nail-biting time. But Perlaza has another breakaway into the box, and New York's goalkeeper Greg Sutton brings him down. Perlaza was looking for it, but it's still a clear penalty. So after Portland's recent adventures of penalty taking, who would take it? This was the big question. Uh, Captain Jack steps up, and I was actually a little bit worried because I felt it just felt like an extra heavy burden to be taking on. Uh, and Sutton, he's a monster of a keeper too. I was, you know, just from seeing the stand, he's like he's over f- six five, six six, something like that, and maybe six. I don't know. He's huge, and I mean he 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 really fills up that goal and. Uh, and uh, I think that made, you know, between his size and that pressure, it just made Jack try a little too hard to put his shot into the corner, and he hit the post. <sighs> I mean, you know, and he he did side foot it and, you know, kind of kind of telegraphed where he was going. He didn't hit it. He hit it pretty hard, but not, you know, it wasn't just a blast, a rocket. It was just, you know, a nice solid hit. But, um, I, you know, it's it, it uh, Sutton came down. He got pretty close, so it's kind of questionable whether or not, uh, you know, if if it had been, you know, on frame, would he have been? I, I think it still would have gotten through. You know, it's just that I think he hit it hard enough; he, he still would have gotten through. But it was pretty tight, and you know, so he had reason. It was, it, you know, he needed to have it in the corner, or or Sutton would have saved it. But um, at the same time, you know, it hit the post, and that's the way it works. So, game is still three-two, very tight. Uh, but Timbers continue to play extremely well. They dominate. Probably should have had another goal. There was a a, a great chance that uh, New York actually bicycled off the line. The ball beat the keeper. Was 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 you know going to goal, and one of the defenders, I think it was Tanio, uh, bicycled it off the line. You know it was probably a couple feet in front of the line, so it was not like questionable like whether it had crossed the line or not. But uh, you know really impressive clearance and uh, just really showed how Portland was. I mean you know New York in this one was defending frantically. This, you know, Timbers really could have scored several goals. I mean, that's how that's how lopsided this was. This was really lopsided. Um, but, uh, you know, we get to stoppage time. We have four minutes of stoppage time, which was, we were all frustrated in the first half because we weren't given the right amount of stoppage time. We weren't given enough. And then at the end, they give us a bunch. And it was like, ah, you know, you can't get the refs to do what you want. And, uh, you know, I think, but it's only four minutes. Things are still looking good. We're still a goal ahead. And, uh, then chaos erupts. Henri, uh, basically taps one of our players in the back of the head. Apparently, uh, some kind of off the ball scuffle. I didn't actually see it. I read about it later. And, uh, um, and, and anyway, the ref, he actually goes over to consult with his lineman and then pulls out the red, the straight red for Henri. Uh, the superstar is off with only a few seconds left. Uh, Portland has this one wrapped up, right? Not so fast. A ball up the right wing into space is harmless enough as Goldthwaite is there to clear it. But instead of just blasting it into the stands, he hesitates, perhaps wanting to control it. And all of a sudden, he's in serious danger of losing the ball. He panics. He rushes his clear, whiffing on it. Uh, I think it was New York's De Rosario takes the gift up the right wing, managed to get a hard cross in from the end line, uh, no one from New York was really in the box, so it was fairly harmless situation overall. It was just kind of a last desperate attempt by, by New York to do something. But the wall struck Wallace in the arm. In the box, the referee, assistant referee waves his flag frantically. Uh, I don't actually think the main ref is going to give it, which seemed fair, because to me it was much more ball to hand instead of hand to ball. 
uh, you know, the rule book says handballs must be deliberate. This did not look deliberate. He's just, he's just running into the, you know, he's running your arms kind of, you know, are out on your side, moving as you're running, and he's in the box. And the ball, you know, was a very hard cross, you know, very sharply struck. Yeah, it's probably 10 yards away, but, you know, it, it, there really wasn't a lot of hand movement. If, if, if anything, the hand was moving back behind his back. He was like trying to move his hand out of the way, and it still caught his hand a bit. Um, I watched the, the replay in slow motion a couple times to, to, to look at it. So, uh, but the problem is, I, I think the, um, the assistant, you know, he was waving his flag so far, he was so adamant, and I think, my impression of assistants, you know, the linesmen is, they seem to be more literal about calls than the center refs, who kind of use their judgment. Like, like the, the, the assistant refs, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, my feeling is that the assistant refs basically, um, they're very literal. So they see a handball, they wave the flag. And then they're like, you know, it hit his hand. And they let the center ref make the judgment call of whether or not that was, you know, deliberate or not. Well, if the center ref doesn't actually see it, he doesn't have anything to go by but the fact that the linesman made the call. And most of the time he's like, gonna do what the linesman said, cause he didn't see it. So, in a case like this, it's like, this is where you needed some judgment. And I think if you actually, you know, ask the linesman, was that a penalty? He might say, well, maybe not. But he's like, that's not my job. My job is to signal that it hit his hand. You know, and then it's up to the main ref to judge whether or not it's a penalty. Well, if the main ref doesn't see it, he's got to call a penalty. So, ah. So basically the ref awards New York the last second penalty. Uh, this is literally four minutes and in something into stoppage time, five minutes into stoppage time out of four minutes, something like that. Uh, DeRoe ties it up with the final kick of the game. Uh, you know, ah, only a point when Portland should have had three. But, you know, just like last week's game really didn't feel like a loss, even though it was, this one doesn't really feel like a tie or a loss uh, because they played so well, you know, as long as you forget the first half. But, uh, you know, Portland's still struggling to put on a full 90-minute performance. Um, if they get so they could do that, I think they could be a formable, formable team. Considering the way they played against Colorado last week, New York this week, um, but they've got to stop the foolish mistakes and allowing defeated teams back into matches. You know, fun game to watch. But there was one play in the match where one of our players had a brilliant—it was a really nice through ball. You know, splitting between two players uh, in the defense and would have sent uh, Kenny Cooper one on one with a keeper, but the defender, you know, inter- intercepted that that through ball and, and stopped the play. And I told my friend, I said. Uh, I said, I bet you, now see, later on in the season, that through ball would have gotten through. That, that through ball will get through. Because I think, I think Portland's still a team trying to figure things out. There's got a lot, a lot of young players, and, uh, and I think that, you know, that, that they would get through that. And, and, and later in the season, as these players, you know, become more familiar with each other and are more seasoned and, and more experienced at, 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 uh, the game, those kind of plays will, will actually succeed. And when that happens, then you've got a really dangerous team in Portland. And I, I, I think, you know, we've got a lot. So I did see one uh, one blog post or something online. or co- I, know it was like, I think it was a comment, actually, one of the articles I was reading about the game, and it was a comment by somebody who who mentioned something which I thought was pretty interesting. He was obviously a Timbers fan, but he, he pointed out that, you know, Timbers' roster is $2.6 million and um you know, New York's roster is 16 million or something like that. And I don't know if those are accurate numbers or not, but that's what he said. And of course, one of the New York fans did point out that New York was missing a portion of its lineup, you know, for the Gold Cup and stuff. But they did have De Rosario back, and he obviously was very instrumental. 
scoring a goal and assist and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and he, you know, because Canada got knocked out of the Gold Cup, he was back for this game. And, uh, they're still missing a few other players, but, uh, the biggest one is they're missing was, was Luke Rogers, I think. Uh, he was out for injury, not Gold Cup or anything like that, but that was, uh, I thought they really missed him. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was just New York. I, I've, I've said it from the beginning. If you go back to my previous podcast, I've talked about how I think they're defensively frail. And, um, you know, offensively they've got a lot, but I think they're defensively frail. If you really press them, um, they they struggle offensively too because they're too busy defending. And that's exactly what happened in this one. They still managed to get, somehow get two goals, you know. I mean, the Henri one was just, Henri and just just your class and just you know he made it look so easy, um, but um, but I thought the penalty was was bogus and I I hate last minute penalties anyway, and uh, and I hate handball penalties in the box you know especially when it's you know, it's a question of whether it's ball to hand or hand to ball those things always just annoy me, and to give a penalty you know the other thing that frustrated me too about this not to go, not to dwell on this too much but. Because um, I don't think this was lost because of the referee. Uh, you know, Portland had a we had a penalty we should have scored. We didn't. You know, if we had scored that, we wouldn't be arguing. You know, we would have won four four three. But uh, the penalty wouldn't have mattered. But um, but I did find it frustrating. Um, basically, they earned that penalty. Uh, you know, in stoppage time, very very late in the stoppage time, we'd already had a red card with a Terry on anything, which took over a minute and a half for that to happen. I'd say close to two minutes because basically it was a scuffle. You know, the referee stopped play. I mean, they, they were about to, re, you know, start play or, you know, goal kick or whatever it was. And then it's like, hold on, what's going on? And then he has to, he literally walked all the way over to the sideline to talk with about 15 seconds, 20 seconds with his linesman, came back, gives the red. Henri goes around shaking everybody's hand, took him 30 seconds or so to, to start walking off the field. So there was at least a minute and a half, two minutes there. Then we had a penalty, which was very controversial. We had arguing, we had debate, we had, you know, actually taking the penalty. So I, I looked at my, you know, the clock when the when the whistle when the final whistle blew. It was nine minutes, uh, sorry, ninety six minutes and like two seconds. So basically, we had two extra minutes over the allotted four minutes that we'd been allotted, and yet we had a red card, a penalty kick. You know, all this stuff going on, and I'm going, I, I think we were gypped out of at least two minutes of, of, of stoppage time, because I don't see how there wouldn't be more stoppage time for all that stuff. I think there was a sub, too, in, st- in stoppage in stoppage time. I think it, was, it was just a lot of stuff, and it was like, why isn't, you know, why is the stoppage time so inaccurate? We got ripped on the first half, too, because they only gave us, like, one minute stoppage, and we were talking about how there should have been, you know, more, but... Um, but anyway, the bottom line is, you know, I, I thought the refereeing was very poor in this. Uh, I, the Henri red card, I didn't actually see it, but you know, I, I, it, it's certainly questionable. I, I don't put much, much, much stock or faith in it because, especially with the same linesman who's making the other call, I think he's being very literal. You know, I saw Henri hit him. Okay, red says ref says that's a red card. Doesn't matter how hard he hit him or you know, you know, whatever. But the odd thing was the two players had, had were already shaking hands and making up and walking away. And it was like the thing was done. There was no, you know, it wasn't any ongoing kind of thing. It wasn't going to escalate or anything. We're, we're literally seconds from the end of the game. It's like, why not just play on or give them each a yellow or something or just even just go over and scold them verbally and just say, come on, guys, you know, or whatever. I mean, it was just kind of a, it was just, it was just the ref trying to, 
you know, overreach. And, and I think he, I don't think it was the center ref's fault necessarily, although he could have used his judgment to, to basically say, you know what, they look like they're fine. I'm not going to worry about it. But he's trying to do what his assistant ref, you know, and I think the assistant ref was trying to, you know, get involved in the game or something and just being too literal probably. But anyway, that's the way it worked out. So, uh, it was still, I, I it was still a blast to be there. And I'm actually kind of bummed because, uh, uh, my friend, he's, he's, he's from England, so he's actually going back to England for, for the summer, and, uh, we don't actually have another game. We didn't, we, we purposely didn't buy tickets through the, the middle of summer because we, he's gonna be gone. So, our next game isn't until like, I think close to the end of August or something, so. Got, you know, at least two months before I get to go to another Timbers game, so, unless I go by myself or wrangle some tickets or something else, which I don't know if there's, I, I'm sure there's no tickets, so I don't know. But, uh, I'm kinda like, ah, now I wanna go, cause it's been, this has been so much fun, you know, it's, it's really been a blast, and, uh, I'm really enjoying it, and, and I kinda, you know, it's, 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 it's kinda heart-wrenching to, to be there with all the fans and the stadium and, and, and the frustration of the team, you know, when the team doesn't do well. But when they do good, I mean, the elation is just unfreaking believable. I mean, it's just amazing to be there in the stands when they score a goal. Uh, you feel like, I mean, you just jumped over the moon or something. I mean, it's just, it's so exciting and, and, and just the whole stadium erupting and cheering and going nuts and, you know, complete strangers high-fiving and hugging each other and, and just everybody going nuts. I mean, it's just, it's really a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere and uh, a lot of fun. So get to watch the next few on TV, so we'll see what happens. So, uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it, you know, and I and I, and I kind of like all the excitement, the drama, and the craziness because at least, at least it's a great story. It's entertaining, you know, it's entertaining. And uh, it's not just boring 3-0 wins every week, although that's probably not that boring, but... Uh, I, w- I would certainly take that for sure, but uh, it uh, it is exciting, you know. It is. I mean, we've had some crazy games at at, at Jeldwen Park, you know, or Field, whatever it's called, and and uh, it's fun. So, anyway, that's it for this week. So, uh, as always, if you have any thoughts on any of this, any of my comments, or anything, mark at soccertalkusa.com, and uh, voicemail is two zero six three three nine eight three five nine. If you want to leave me a voice message for a future show, otherwise, we'll be back uh, next Monday. So. All right, we will talk to you then. Bye-bye.